Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those awesome tunes, as always, is courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey, and I, of course, am your host, Tessa Morrow. Deadwood, South Dakota, founded in 1876 due to the discovery of the gold. Deadwood will survive three devastating fires, a horrific smallpox epidemic, and the Old West. Deadwood has always been a place that I've wanted to go visit. Years ago when the show came out, my eyes would be glued to that TV. (laughs) I just love Old West towns, as many of you know, with my obsession with Tombstone, and the history that comes with them. And one of these years, I will make it to Deadwood. Seth Bullock. Yes, Kitty, she loves Seth Bullock. He was a tall presence of a man with a ever so thick mustache and piercing, steely gray eyes. His grandson once said about him, quote, he could outstare a mad cobra or a rogue elephant. The rumor is that on his second day of being in Deadwood, he is appointed sheriff. Boy, was his work cut out for him. Deadwood's very first sheriff grows up with a father who was a British major. So to say that he grew up with a stern and strict upbringing is a total understatement. He's raised unlike some of the crazy loud bunch in Deadwood, to learn right from wrong. He brought law and order to the town of Deadwood, and he did it rather rapidly and successfully. It did not take long for those to see that this man, that being Sheriff B, he meant business. He wasn't messing around. Seth accomplishes a lot during his life. In 1867, at the age of 18 years old, he ventures out on his own. In 1871, he is elected as Republican senator in the Territorial Senate of Montana. In the following year, in 1872, Seth requested that the U.S. Congress establish Yellowstone National Park. And guess what? They did just that. Now millions go there and enjoy the raw and rugged beauty. So next time you go to Yellowstone and enjoy the beauty it has and all the creatures, just know that Deadwood's own Seth Bullock was involved in that. Now, the following year, that being 1873, he is elected sheriff of Lewis and Clark County in the Montana Territory. He also served as chief engineer for the Helena Fire Department. And three years later, in 1876, Bullock comes to Deadwood with his business partner, Soul Star, 
via an ox-drawn wagon. And you know, from the moment Seth stepped foot into Deadwood, he was a businessman. Him and Star auction off their mining equipment and chamber pots, kitchen items like pots and pans, basically everything they had to the highest of the bidders. They also opened their own hardware store. Now, in 1879, a horrible fire takes place in Deadwood. Bullock and Star, they are lucky as their hardware store survives this inferno. They would not be so lucky, however, the next time when, in 1894, another fire takes place, this time completely and utterly destroying the store and so many other things. Seth, he had friends in high places, including Theodore Roosevelt. In fact, they were the closest of friends, and when Teddy is elected vice president, he appoints the man he trusted the most, yep, Seth Bullock, as the very first forest supervisor at the Black Hills Reserve. On hauntedhouses.com, I found a few fun facts about the man, such as he was the first person in South Dakota to plant alfalfa, something that remains very important to this very day. He founded the town Belforge, and he also established the largest shipping point in the United States when he persuades the railroad in 1891 to expand. He also was a captain for the Spanish-American War. So a lot of stuff going on with Seth. This all is pretty damn impressive, but the thing that I am going to touch on the most when it comes to Seth himself is his hotel, the Bullock Hotel. You see, when Seth and his business partner, Soul Star, come to Deadwood, they wanted to make it more so a classier place and a less a dying with your boots on type of location. And they see potential and opportunity to build a hotel that people can go to, feel safe, enjoy the luxuries that would be offered to them. This first original hotel, unfortunately, will burn to the ground. But this didn't extinguish their hopes and dreams for a hotel, and it would be the very first of its kind in Deadwood, and it would cost them $40,000 to build. They hauled in the native pink and white sandstone from Andrew's Quarry in Boulder Canyon. While they didn't give up on having a luxurious hotel in town, they did not want history to repeat itself. They worked very hard to find a building that proved to be fireproof. And boy, did they find one, as this particular structure had already survived two different fires. They build onto that building, and you better believe that when it was complete, people flocked from all over, near and far. The hotel, it's a grand success, opening its doors in 1895. When completed, the Bullock Hotel would be a three-story building with 63 steam-heated luxurious rooms, now turned into a larger 28 rooms for more comfort and space. The upstairs was home to a library and a parlor was located right off of the balcony. 
It was truly a first-class hotel, armed with brass chandeliers, red velvet carpet, a grand piano, and fine oak wood trimming. The rooms offered the guests comfort with brass and iron beds and gorgeous oak furniture. Now, in 1876, the Ayers family, who at this point had the hotel for several years, they decide it's time to hang up the old hat and sell the hotel. All of the gorgeous antique furniture from the Seth Bullock days is auctioned off. Much to several people's dismay, you know, it's just such a shame that all of that original gorgeous furniture, just history, is kind of gone now. In 1989, people here in South Dakota, they vote to allow gambling via slot machines in Deadwood. The money from that would go to the restoration of Deadwood's old buildings. They got what they asked for, and many people would come here to play the slot machines. Still do. And I love when this kind of thing happens. When you work on something and it's successful, and guess what? The money goes to something amazing, like restoring historical buildings. And to me, that just makes my heart happy and full of joy, as these buildings are a part of history, and they shouldn't be forgotten. They should be remembered, and they should still exist and be admired from when they first stood so long ago in their glory. And guess what? They're continuing to do so because of helping hands today. Walking back into the Old West days, and very wild, mind you, at this point, there are tons of people coming in and out of Deadwood, and as many, if not all, Old West towns, comes along thieves, gunslingers, killers, prostitutes, outlaws, cowboys, and other colorful characters. Now, there is no official sheriff of Deadwood, which at this time, desperately needs some major law and order. The straw that broke the weakened camel's back was the murder of James Butler Hickok, better known as Wild Bill. The man, he walks into the saloon. He walks to the back of the room where a card game is being played. He asks the man if they could trade seats. The man, he says, no. He asks one more time, and again, he is told no. Because of this, the man's fate is sealed, and he will soon expire. The first day of August in 1876 starts out like any other day. Nothing special about it. Nothing stands out. And Wild Bill goes on with his day, as everybody does. He heads over to the Natal and Man's Saloon, number 10. As usual, a poker game is going on, and Wild Bill, he wants in. Unfortunately, the only chair that is available at that table would have the person sitting with his back to the crowd, something that Wild Bill would never have allowed. He didn't tolerate this. He had been through a lot in his day, and he did not trust many people. When somebody walked into a room, and he was in there, he liked to see who it was. He didn't like any surprises. He asks a man named Christopher Rich. 
if he wouldn't mind just trading places with him. Well, you know, Christopher's butt cheeks are pretty comfortable where they sit, and he tells Hickok no. Hickok asks once again, kind of pleading at this point, I would imagine. And again, he's told the big N-O. And I have to just say something. Now, when it comes to the whole sitting and having your back to the crowd or to the door, I am like that too. I feel like a sitting duck. I feel like I am vulnerable and I don't like it. And yes, we aren't in the old Wild West days anymore, but this world is crazy with a ton of crazy people in it. And I have had horrible things happen to people that I care about. So I'm a bit more on the paranoid side. Plus, I watch way too much true crime TV. But hey, it's true crime. It's happened. So whenever I go into a place like a restaurant, I kind of look around for escape routes and emergency exits. And so it's not just good old Wild Bill. There's others like him out there. And it seems like he had a very good reason to be paranoid. As he sits down in the soon-to-be-very-doomed chair, he's on edge. It's like stepping foot on foreign soil and not being familiar with your surroundings. He is uncomfortable, but he begins to play poker. Well, not too much time goes by when suddenly a man named Jack McCall, he enters the saloon. In his hand is a Colt model 1873 single action army 45 caliber revolver. He walks right up to Hickok, more like to his back, and says something to the effect, Damn you, take that. One single bullet goes right into Hickok's head. Wild Bill, he dies instantly. Kind of like Bob Ford waiting until Jesse James's back is to him and shoots him. Not quite the fair fight if you ask me, but, you know, that's just me, I guess. So what is Jack McCall's problem? What made him see red, walk straight up to a man, and shoot him point blank in the head in broad daylight? With several witnesses, mind you. To me, this isn't justified, but let's just say that the day before Hickok had beat McCall, and it was a rather good beating at a game of cards, Hickok even tells McCall, You better stop playing because you don't even have the money to pay off your losses. And he was right. He didn't. Well, the next day, the men, they see each other. And Hickok, knowing Jack doesn't have any money due to yesterday's losses, actually offers to buy the man breakfast. He begrudgingly accepts. Later that same day, with a full belly of breakfast that Hickok paid for, mind you, Jack will murder Wild Bill. It is said that in Hickok's hand at the time of his death was two black aces and two black eights, now known as the dead man's hand. James Butler Hickok, he survived many of things, including being a teamster for the Union Army during the Civil War, being a deputy United States Marshal in Fort Riley, Kansas, during the Indian Wars. And he even survives when he served for the doomed General George Custer's 7th Cavalry and being the city marshal in Hayes, Kansas, and sheriff of Ellis County, Kansas. During his time as sheriff, he killed, I believe, two men. He finds it in his heart to go to the widow and he apologizes to her. He didn't want to kill this guy, but he had to. And he offered her everything he had on him, which I believe was $34, which was a lot back then. 
but he could not survive Jack McCall. Jack would get a date with the noose because of the shooting on March 1st, 1877, and when the Roman Catholic Cemetery is being moved in 1881, they noticed that when the body of Jack was exhumed, the noose was found to still be right around his neck. After this murder, order is demanded, and this is where Seth Bullock comes into the story. Seth did indeed bring law and order to Deadwood, the Dakota Territory. Now, things changed, and for the better. Now, you know, things might not have been 100% safe, but it was a hell of a lot safer before he stepped foot into town. Today, the gorgeous Bullock Hotel still stands, and it still offers comfort. Included in the hotel is a fitness room, a 24-hour casino, and Bully's Restaurant, named, of course, after Seth Bullock's best buddy, Teddy Roosevelt. And of course, those amazing, gorgeous, luxury jacuzzi suites. I tell you, when I do finally step foot into Deadwood, the place I will be staying at is at the Bullock Hotel, and I cannot wait for that. This amazing hotel is believed to be extremely haunted and actually offers ghost tours, I believe, on Friday and Saturday nights starting at 5.30 p.m. Now, I am unsure which one is actually accurate, but I saw reports saying two different things when it comes to Seth Bullock's death. Some say that he died in the hotel in room number 211. Others say that he died in his home on 28 Van Buren Street. While it may not be known exactly where he died, what is known is that he died on the 23rd day of September in 1919 of colon cancer. And he is buried in Mount Moriah Cemetery, not too far from Calamity Jane and Wild Bill Hitcock. It has long since been believed that the building's creator, Seth Bullock himself, haunts this hotel. Still keeping an eye on things, as he did very much in life, now so he does in death. And it makes complete sense. He lived for this hotel. This hotel was a dream of his that came true, and he was very proud of it. So the fact that he may still linger about does not surprise me in the very slightest, even if he did die in his home and not at the hotel. But again, who knows which is true. Speaking of room 211, this room is very active. People have reported capturing white floating lights lingering about on camera. One person catches an image of a white-type mist form floating above the bed, where some reports say Seth Bullock died. Some have reported seeing the apparition of Seth throughout the hotel. Many sightings take place in the restaurant and also in the basement. Meanwhile, in the kitchen and at Bully's restaurant, plates and glassware will shake violently and sometimes be thrown about by an invisible force. Electrical appliances and lights, they will grow minds of their very own, turning off and on as they damn well please. And disembodied footsteps are often heard as well. So is whistling when nobody else is around. Another thing that happens many a times in the kitchen is that Things will be there one minute and will be found in a completely different location. And 
that to me that's just always interesting when that happens it's like i would love to see a time lapse of like you know this thing being moved around on its own and in room 305 it is home to a gorgeous but broken clock when the maids are in there doing their thing it doesn't seem to skip a beat often coming to life one of the housekeeping employees was cleaning the tub one day when the overhead shower just turns on completely spraying her down and no one else was near her or near the bathroom when this happened. And one time an employee witnesses seeing several bar stools just kind of start to move on their own while in Seth's cellar. And it's not just employees that experience the paranormal and the supernatural here at the hotel. Many weird things occur in the guest rooms. Alarm clocks, they'll come to life on their own. The TV will turn off and on by itself. Guests have reported experiencing their showers turning on when nobody else is in or even near the bathroom. Some have heard a disembodied man's voice calling out their name. And it's definitely a very odd feeling hearing your name be whispered from the lips of the dead. Been there many a times. Toilet paper will unravel many times in guest bathrooms. The apparition of a young girl believed to be a victim of typhoid or smallpox has been seen wandering throughout the hotel property. And speaking of children, it's reported that one time a young child found that he had gotten separated from mom and dad and he went searching for them when he runs into who we now believe to be the apparition of Seth Bullock, the man he was in older clothing and what have you. The man, he leads the child back to his room where he is reunited with his parents. One woman, who is a medium, she goes to visit the hotel and she claims to have been drawn to room 312 and felt that spirits of two women, one possibly pregnant, both being prostitutes, haunted that location. And at times, things will turn physical when people will feel a tap on the old shoulder. Nothing aggressive or negative, mind you. Just kind of a nice, gentle, you're not alone and I'm here watching you kind of tap. Kind of creepy, but kind of cool. Some folks have seen shadows just darting about in vacant areas, and the presence of a spirit is often felt on the second and third floor hallways. So, Next time you are visiting South Dakota and find yourself in Deadwood, please be sure to go check out the Bullock Hotel and perhaps go to the cemetery where you could visit people like Wild Bill, Seth Bullock himself, and Calamity Jane and so many others from the Old West. Maybe I will see you there sometime. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others, they're all phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? And there's no need to fret, really. You can binge listen right now by hitting up any of those awesome podcast platforms, such as Apple Core Media Library, TuneIn Radio, Castomatic, Overcast, Google Podcasts, wherever you may roam to listen to your other spooky podcasts. You'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. And here is a special shout out to today's voiceover, Justin Dean. And this week's special city shoutouts go to Siliguri, India, Urbana, Ohio, Baraboo, Wisconsin, 
Telford, England, and Lodi, California. As usual, thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. It is greatly appreciated. Do you have a story of your own to share? Perhaps you have a haunted location that you haven't heard on the podcast and would love to see it in an episode? Want to be a voiceover for a future episode? Please feel free to hit me up on the Paranormal Prowlers Podcast Facebook page, or you can email me at paraprowl at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone, and we will see you next week.